are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse. Testament scrawled in hidden places and on nether things with the sole purpose of sharing with you unique dimensions of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. Many exciting things are afoot in my life right now. Earlier this year, I found out that the Dark Verse Volume 3 Beyond the Grip of Time won several awards. It was the 2015 Independent Publisher Book Awards Gold Medal winner in the category of horror. It was the 2015 National Indie Excellence Awards winner for horror. And it was the 2015 National Indie Excellence Awards winner for Best Cover Design in Fiction. And that is uh, due to the awesome cover done by John Stifter. Another exciting news event is that I had my first son and child just over a month ago, so life is super exciting having him around. His name is Eldon. And then just a couple of weeks away now is the official release of my dark fantasy novel, The Spirit Collectors. Lastly, I'm out of print of the Dark Verse Volume 1 from the Passages of Revenants, so in a couple months i'll be launching a kickstarter project to fund the second edition of that morbid tome which will include some fresh artwork that will be pretty cool and that's that here we go this is episode 90 of the dark verse and it is entitled the essence of all sight the steps leading up to the century-old stronghold were like rotting teeth fragmented and disgustingly whittled The passageway at the pinnacle of these steps, tucked between the swooping, gnarly trees of the battlemass forest, lay open for any foolish wayfarer such as myself who desired to connect the fate of one's life with the death breadth of Kurthkald Dungeon. Revenants entombed in the blackness of their past lives' powers, infinitely stamped in shadowy existences with the inability to use their godlike spells and existence-altering items, were left with nothing but the faculty to accumulate wealth and seek entertainment through devilish deeds. Here, at Kurthkald Dungeon, they guarded their belongings and bolstered their empire of immortal greed and sadism. For the proper outlandish price, these entities relinquished their uncanny accoutrements. That was why I had sought them. Beyond love, family, pleasure, wealth, and the plethora of other purposes that were but barriers against meaning, I hungered for understanding. I pursued a greatness that could not exist within the confines and limitations of bodily fragility. Seers from across all of the lands directed me to the same location, to the same relic, the fruit of Sheolton.
And it was these cursed phantoms that retained this master key of omniscience. Black, warped stones stacked together to present the monster that was this ancient edifice. Jagged juts and malformed cracks riddled the structure from ground to sky. A dense block of twisted architecture. And beyond this immense stone mass, the dungeon extended deep beneath the ground, quadrupling its total area and capacity. There were no windows or outlets. The only way in or out was through two retractable iron doors in the throat of a demon-faced barbican. The two doors of the fortified entryway were open, left as such to welcome any who dared to venture into the horror of Kurthkald Dungeon's innards. Despite the absence of peripheral hindrances, there was no way to steal the possessions of these elusive ghosts. They kept their treasures secretly stored between the folds of physicality, and to those haughty thieves and senseless miscreants that did make worthless efforts at Kurthkald's riches, the eternal ghouls were not hesitant in bestowing upon them the yoke of slavery, a guaranteed role in the mutilation that was part of their twisted amusements. With nothing but ragged garbs, sturdy boots, a heavy cloak, and the assets that were my bartering influence, I trudged inside the dungeon through the two doors. I seek the fruit of Sheolton, I said into the empty darkness of the entry hall. The words of my speaking were stolen as soon as they left my mouth. This was not a place that had a liking to unsolicited sound. A spirit rope black and wispy, nearly invisible against the darkness, lashed down from above. Its end instantly coiled around my neck and began to pull me in the direction of a location further within the dungeon. At first I resisted because I had no means to see or navigate, but by doing so, I was yanked from my feet and dragged by my neck. I made do and walked at the pace of the commandeering rope constantly battling to keep my footing as I was led downstairs and over uneven stone. Several times I tripped, permitting the rope to drag and choke me before I desperately regained control. Hideous screams and moans from within the dungeon's expanses accompanied me throughout the trek. I was brought to a cell deep within the dungeon, its details sheathed in darkness. Once inside, its metal door clanked shut and the Amurian spirit rope retracted. A pale, silver light slowly phased into existence within the center of the cell, revealing it to be nothing more than two hundred square feet lined by rotten walls and a decrepit cell door. The light expanded, taking form, shaping itself into a table before solidifying into presence. The table still radiated silver light throughout the cell, and from within this light appeared a being of shadow, a death breath, hazy and unformed. Certain aspects of its presence would fade in and out of sight, and so never as a whole was it visible. Dozens of freakish arms, of creatures from different worlds and dimensions, fell in and out of its core with their wrists twirling the palms of their hands outward while extending, and inward while being brought back in. It floated, and it had no face. The death breath took from within itself, with one of its many hands, the fruit of Sheolton. It placed the fruit on the silver table before me, so that I could see its presence, 
trapezoidal grooves of taut, succulent, bluish-gray flesh covered its hourglass shape. Between these grooves, perfectly carved-out neon-pink sigils completed its arcane power. In response, I produced a valuable tomb coin from my cloak. The coin, being from the armor, weapons, and flesh of the elite warrior Heldris Helzes, melted down into monetary fame after his death in the famous Battle of Smiles on the fields of Tacrador. It was a rare and highly sought-after tomb coin, one that could purchase almost anything the heart desired. I desired a taste of the fruit of Sheolten. Deliberately, the death breadth, the dungeon dealer and the shadowy mask controlling the outcome of this purchase, pulled back the fruit closer to itself. The payment was not enough. It then drew repeatedly the symbol of infinity on the table with another of its hands, the shifting finger used, leaving a trail of black soot that dissipated quickly after it was left. It then tapped where the symbol had been. That will not be necessary, I said. From beneath my tunic, I pulled out a crest hanging from a leather necklace I wore. The design of the crest was a shield of flames with the faces of the three kingdom spirits, the oracles and guise of the ruled world affixed upon it. This will surely do. I pulled the crest necklace over my head and placed it on the silver table beside the tomb coin. The dungeon dealer pushed the fruit of Sheolton across the table to me and retrieved the tomb coin and crest, taking them within itself with a different hand. Then it backed away and faded out of visibility. When I lifted the fruit from the silver table, the table too vanished. Finally, the fruit of Sheolton was mine. After a moment of revelment, a pause to fully absorb the feeling of true contentment, I sank my teeth into the fruit and took a bite from its center. The flavor, cosmic sweetness soaring at the pinnacle of euphoria, melted away my tongue and widened my throat before the ingested morsel liquefied my head, skull, and brain, and blended with them as they gushed down my own esophagus. The line into the terror was cast. At first it fell slack into the nothingness of death, falling and falling without an end to ever come and greet it. But then that line began to ascend and rise above the point from which it originated. Up and up the line went, and soon it became taut. Then it pulled me with it. I slowly awoke into something new, a drifting from sleep to awareness while the memories of my past self were left behind like images of half-forgotten dreams. Eyes formed and opened all across my ethereal essence. Tiny black specter orbs of innumerable quantities replaced the abstract presence of my being. I was the eyes, and they were now me. They did not blink or dry or shed tears, and it was not light that passed through them to enact their projections. They converted everything that there was to exist into knowledge that then funneled through me. They saw the past, the present, the future, and the realms between the realms where idle spirits shriek forever and eternity. 
They saw all of evil and all of good and the creed of absoluteness, where creation and evolution and manipulation are all connected, that trumps those lesser iniquities of emotions, moralities, and dogmatic principles that are but trivial mishaps against the monstrous universes of true profoundness. No longer was there the need for mobility or perspective. All places, all angles, all dimensions were mapped out in two-dimensional simplicity. Everything made sense. It was exactly what I had wished so feverishly to behold. But it was this same understanding that doomed me. For there, in each of my eyes, was projected crisply the crest I had bequeathed to the dungeon spawn, and, more ominously, the gruesome repercussions and haunting discernment connected with doing so. This crest was nothing more than a piece of ore chiseled to a commissioned design, and to the regular passerby it would have been worthless without knowing its use. But the death breath knew exactly what it was, and the immense, simply absurd value it helmed. This covert symbol that had been around my neck was a mark and rune of the Thalpspinah, the membership of the three kingdoms' most elite and secret society, and could gain anyone who bore entrance into the most sacred dwellings and sanctuaries of the lands. Sanction for the death breaths, whether themselves or the henchmen they controlled, to release, in such places, its scourge. As far removed as I was from the trivialities of bodily and spiritual life, from feeling emotion and pain, I was not immune to those sharp spearheads of knowledge that predicated the power of such sentiments. With my new comprehension, the ripples of these burdens were more potent and severe than the experience of feeling could ever attain. I knew the root of feeling, where it came from, how it was, why it was. I knew beyond feeling, where science orchestrated cosmic design and infiltrated reality through overlapping configurations. It was horrific to know these things. It was horrific to know these things as a consequence of a decision I made. It was not enough that my family lived in one of these Thalpspinal asylums that would be obliterated and harvested for slaves. It was not enough that the death breaths would shake the very political and economic tranquility of the world. It was not enough that I would see every death, every hellish eternity for those that died, and every torrential calamity that continued in the wake of those that died, and then the death caused by death caused by death causing more chains of diabolical infinities. Those were but the beginnings of the rapes of my all-seeing essence. Having all of the answers and all of the knowledge surrounding them was only hell, the terror, the pit of darkness that should have been my demise, the endless nothingness. That would have been a more suitable ending. That concludes episode 90 of The Dark Verse. Make sure you listen to all of the past episodes on iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. Also, if you want questions, say hi, follow what I'm doing. You can do so on Facebook.com slash Sharkchild or Twitter.com slash Sharkchild. I'm also on Instagram now, which uh, is the handle Sharkchild as well. So all you need to know is Sharkchild. You can find me out there, uh, see what I'm up to. Okay, I'll catch you on the next story.
All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. <laughs>